0: Hello, and welcome to the first inaugural episode of Lay It On the Table, part of the Geek and Southern podcast network, uh, if that is even such a thing, because this is only our second thing that we're putting out there. So I guess it's a network if you have more than one. I don't know, but I am Joe Mahaffey, one of your hosts. I am joined today by my partner in crime, uh, somebody I've known for way many more years than I would care to admit or even remember. James Inglehart. James, good morning.
1: Good morning, Joe. It's a lovely day here. Um, I think I'm, we're both kind of close to where we met uh, physically anyway, although we're both
0: far away from each other now. Yeah, you're a lot closer than I am. That's probably true. Yeah. But anywho, cool, yeah. cool, cool. And uh, you've, you know, we are recording this in um, April 2022 and uh, neither of us look bleary eyed from staying up watching basketball because we did not go to a basketball school that would be in the final four.
1: Uh, Nope. Not even close. One day Uh,
0: we have aspirational hopes, but not today.
1: You know, they've gone to the the big dance a couple of times, but but, uh, never made a deep run into it. Mm -hmm. So, which is
0: fair. And for those of you who don't even know what school we're talking about, we're talking about Wofford college, which is not Duke or Chapel Hill. So, now that, we've now that we've established that, I think we're in good shape. Okay. So this is not the game that you wanted to talk about though. When we come to a lay it on the table, I don't think you expect to hear something about basketball, but because this is our inaugural episode, uh, James and I uh, have been talking about this for a number of months about how to do something a little bit different in the podcast space when it comes to uh, board games. And I think we're going to be feeling our way through it. And I think that you all uh, as a part of our audience will have an opportunity to um, To even contribute to where we go sometimes. And I think that'll be useful. But today, we're going to go through just a couple of different segments that I think you, where we hope you might find interesting. But I think before we get there, I think it's important for the listeners to really understand who are they hearing from and what is their origin story, if you will. Everybody loves a good origin story from uh, all the the different uh, DC and Marvel comics, I suppose. Uh, but everybody loves a good origin story, and I think it would be useful to kind of unpack our origin, our respective origin stories as it relates to games. So, James, why don't we start with you? Uh, because okay. I think you're a, you're a lot more uh, I don't, I don't want to say accomplished, but I might say more learned, more learned <laughs> in this space. Uh, so, so let's let's start with you and uh, just sort of see where that goes
1: okay so uh the first thing you need to know is that uh i was bitten by a radioactive dye when i was uh 10 so uh that kept kept me kept me rolling along uh and that's why they called me pip as i grew up uh let's so i mean i think for a lot of people you grow up uh playing family games i guess some people don't but like a lot of people i did my we moved around a lot when I was a kid we always had you know a couple boxes uh, classic you know played a lot of clue chess with my dad some classic card games um and as you get into like uh, and picked up D back in the 80s mm-hmm. uh, right about the height of the satanic panic yeah that's where and we all, so, all had that on yep, <laughs> yeah so I wasn't allowed to play DD, although I you know and I guess my parents are hearing this now uh snuck out and uh played D with with friends, but also we were allowed to play like Traveler and Gamma World. Um, uh, There was a a top secret. That was one. And, and I also ran a, um, what is it? The uh, sort of a, a proto LARP, I guess called the assassination game. Although we had a version of it called killer. And so ran that for my high school cohort and that was pretty fun. Uh, And then, you know, college and girls happened and there was a lot less, gaming um although a little bit at, at wofford um played a f- weird delightful board game called ubi and we can maybe talk about that at some point oh, It's a yeah, yeah, geography game
0: yeah
1: sort of geography trivia that was super fun uh, and then you know it, games weren't really part of my life for a while and uh but you know in the early 2000s going to grad school had a bunch of friends who um liked to have game nights and they had um some rpgs and some um you know console games and card games and i said well i want to contribute to this so i'll have to find a niche and stumbled into board games found a game of carcassonne at a local cafe and spent 2 hours trying to wrap my head around how this game would work on a you know four page uh Rule book for for kark and uh finally figured it out delight you know just delighted by it found it, it was just a blast to play and started looking for other resources found early version of uh, board game geeks started listening to a couple of early podcasts and um just got sucked into it and you know that's been uh, let's see 15 20 years now or so so uh and yeah and what I've done recently is um, I'm teaching at Furman University and using board games and tabletop games as a, as a frame for my first year writing students. So we're reading articles about this and having them think about arguments based around tabletop games, which is uh, a lot of fun for me. I don't think they necessarily, you know, it's a, it's a class. So they're not (laughs) quite as stoked as uh, you know, I would like them to be, but still it's a, it's a lot of fun to think about games in those ways.
0: Well, what I love about that is, you know, this is, this is one of those things I think as we develop as a society, there's always the, the, the flattening of certain creative mediums. And I think we, we saw it first with magazines. You know, initially there were all these very, uh, very generalist magazines out there like Life and Time and, and things like that. And then as we kind of got into the 70s and 80s, it became very flat where all of a sudden there was a magazine for everybody you know, yep. uh, you could find, I want to watch goth horror in, you know, Mexico magazine. I'm being ridiculous. I don't even know if that exists. It probably does. If you, if it does, please put it in the, any kind of comments that might be out there. Cause I'd be curious to see that. Uh, but anyway, uh, but I, my point is, is this, I think even book publishing and creative outlets have become very flat and accessible. And I think, that um, and in some instances have become. I don't want to use the word tropey because that is not fair to the good um, content that gets put out there. But I love. But my point is what I'm meandering around to, and hopefully, you guys get are getting ADD Joe today, which is full of coffee and full of ran- rambling thoughts. So this could be a problem. Um, is that I love that this create using a board game and game theory as a creative outlet is a different way to exercise that creative muscle. And get away from the tropes of the butler did it, or um, you know, this is the formula that by page thirty-five they have to meet, and by page one hundred they have to have a fight, and by page two hundred and six they're back together. I think I just described the hallmark movie. Uh, oh yeah, no, I think so. But anyway, I, I just love that that's a <laughs> that that's a thing, and I, I you know maybe we should in a future episode maybe talk about you know sort of how what how that's unpacking for your class and kind of what you're seeing there. But anyway. That's very well. Interesting. They're
1: they're fascinated. They um you know most of them don't know anything about the sort of hobby board games right. and um, sort of larger world. They've most of them have come across Catan, mm-hmm. so they have played um, that a couple times. And uh, Cards Against Humanity are super, which is not really a niche, uh, not really a hobby thing, but uh, they're super excited about that and love the idea of like the subversiveness that they can do with their friends and say terribly naughty things. (laughs) And, uh, they enjoy that, uh, that sort of stuff. Um, but you know, they're, they have that same kind of, um, you know, everybody's got clue Scrabble, um, Candyland Monopoly (laughs) and, and they never play Monopoly with the, the, you know, full actual rules. And it's nobody, and nobody, nobody this. does. I don't even think yeah. people
0: really understand what the rule, rules are, but anyway, go ahead. Yeah, so I'm that's, sorry.
1: that's super interesting. Um, and they're starting to realize and the ways that when you're, when you really look closely at pretty much anything, in this case, board games, you see so much other stuff, um, you know, who is this marketed to? How are they appealing to people? Um, what happens when you play a board game, Um, what kind of, and I, one of the things I like about games, of course, is that it's both it's novelty Mm -hmm. that is, you know, in a box and uh, you can keep playing the same game and it'll still be different. And that's, I think a really, a really compelling thing for me anyway about, uh, about games.
0: So, so as I think about, you know, your origin story and I kind of juxtapose that with mine, you know, I, I always feel like, gosh, Um, I, I I've always felt in my life that I've been a late bloomer in many respects, you know, and, or you ever feel like, you know, you you were raised in a certain time, but then you realize, boy, if things were so different. So like, so my engagement with the game is I'm the youngest of five kids and we're all three years apart. And when you're the youngest of five kids that are all three years apart, it's a lot like being an only child. And what I mean by that is by the time you're really coming up, everybody's out of the house you right. know, and your parents are like, Hey, we've raised five kids. We can go travel now. Here are the keys to the house. You know, we, we, we trust you not to have a party or anything because you know, we've, we've met your friends. Um, that did not always work the way they thought that would, but that's a different <laughs> thing. And I know that they're not listening to this. So this is, I'm fun. glad to hear that though. That's, that's an important, uh, <laughs> but so, you know, to my, to your point, when the D D came around the satanic panic, I mean, we were raised in the Episcopal church. We were like, Oh yeah, that's a, that's that other denomination. I won't disparage. Uh, yeah, denomination.
1: No. mine were uh, yeah. Yeah. evangelical Christians, so they yeah. went
0: into it didn't didn't hardcore. have a problem with it. But at the same time, there wasn't what we would call today intersectionality between the gaming and the the, the faith pieces, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a, at some point because that, that's actually something I'm involved in right now. But anyway, so long story short, I I come to D and D you know, or advanced D and D because, you know, we were, we were enlightened back in those days. And the thing is, is that D and D was a very different, different game. Um, back when it first came out, I mean, it was, you know, we, we, we called the dice math rocks for a reason because you really had to understand the, the mathematics of the, the mechanics to really find effective play. And for somebody like me, who was ADD, um, I'm not saying that I was dysgraphic, but if you look at my handwriting from those time, that time frame, it was very, um, it was something that I would struggle with, and so aspects of the game were really not as accessible to me in the medium it was presented at the time. Uh, I did have some friends that were they were keen on playing, and we played a couple of campaigns, and you know we did some some things, but there were there were aspects of it that were just um, a challenge, uh, and then of course you know we had the the normal. Family board game stuff: the, right. the the Monopoly, the Scrabbles, the Clue, um, and it was always funny. My my sister was like, oh, she, "Clue was her game; she loved Clue," you know. And I was always ah, like, okay. "Oh, let's play Monopoly," you know. And um, but even there, those were younger years because again, they moved out of the house. Right. Um, and I had friends in the neighborhood; we'd go play, you know, board games at their house. But there were all those, you know, that this was the era of. Some of the more tropy games, like or not tropy games, maybe gimmicky games like Hungry Hungry mm-hmm. Hippo and you know Rock'em Sock'em Robots. I know it's not really a game, but oh, it's that still, stuff it's is, and that stuff is
1: still out there now. You yeah, know, the, yeah, very nostalgic. the one with the mouth guard and all of yeah, yeah. yeah. That sort of mass market, it's um, and we just lo- goofy. And we loved
0: Mousetrap just because you wanted to get to the end and watch the whole, you know, mechanic thing roll like you were watching yep. uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang's Kitchen or something. It was, you know, pretty uh, pretty exciting. But anyway, so then, you know, college, high school and college for me and gaming were just there was really no significant intersection just because growing up in the 80s, you know, nerd culture was not necessarily a positive thing in the eighties. That was, you know, when you, if you just look at the movie, revenge of the nerds, you can kind of see there was a reason why that movie struck a chord because that was very much what it was like. And I think those of us who were in that world were were really trying to find ways to divest ourselves of that so that we could be seen a little bit differently because that's just what you do in high school. You're looking for identity. You're looking for, acceptance. And, and, you know, this was back before, you know, nobody was taking camp pictures and posting them everywhere and all this other stuff. I mean, it was a completely different space to talk yep. about an analog world. <laughs> it was an analog world. <laughs> Very um, much. so anyway, normal stuff, you know, um, got married, had kids, uh, played the ki- games with the kids. You know, we talked about Candyland. Uh, yep. we talked to, we, we were big into a lot of like the, the Harry potty, Harry Potter, movie trivia games and oh and yeah stuff okay. like that. We still have those, like the scenics. Do you remember the scenic games? Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah yep. So we still have those around here. I don't know if we have a DVD player anymore, but, um, you know, and just stuff like that. And of course the, the, you go two girls, you go through the Barbie and the, and the, and the Disney stuff pretty quick. And, um, and I think where it really begins to pick up for me is, um, I was blessed to grow up with two daughters that discovered Harry Potter as they were happening, as they were happening. You know, there was none of this. Oh, you know, it was real time. We were reading Mm -hmm. the books. We were anticipating the next book. We were going to the Barnes and Noble, uh, at midnight or the borders at midnight for the book drop. And there were people everywhere. And this is for me anyway, some in
1: costumes that was fun. Yeah.
0: Yeah. For, and, and that's exactly right. And for me, gosh, I remember the one book, one book, um, um, release was at the Barnes and Noble at Carolina place mall in Pineville, North Carolina. And there was also a hot topic there and all the, 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 ladies from hot topic were out there in their goth attire and they were just, you know, ginning up the crowd. It was fantastic. My wife and I, the girls, we just loved it. In fact, I ran into somebody that I hope to have on this podcast uh, really soon. And I'll, I'll save that story for another time. But anyway, so I'm getting, I'm getting to where we are. So fast forward, Kids grow up, they're out of the house. Um, I actually did um, a stint, I'll call it a stint, uh, 20 years working with Boy Scouts. Ah, oh, okay. Uh, camping in the woods and skills and such. And um, fast forward a little bit, one of my Eagle Scouts, um, Jordan Robinson, great artist, great guy. He lives in uh, Greensboro, North Carolina, These days, he's got a really creative, um, situation going on. Anyway, he was having an art show up at, um, get some game, which is a store in, uh, Charlotte. That's a game store, but there's also a coffee shop. There's a comic shop. Uh, it's one of those kind of co-op kind of buildings. So honestly, I don't know if everything is still there that was there then, but anyway, so we decided we're going to go and support Jordan. my wife and I would go up to get some game. And honestly, I hadn't thought about games in forever. This was about—I'm going to say—four years ago. So this is how, oh, okay. this is how new I am. This gotcha. to this reboot here. So we go in, and um, I walk in, and I see the dice. Oh yeah, uh, the bag of dice, and I'm like, and it just it just sparked. And, of course, we supported Jordan in his art. Suddenly you turned into a crow. Just let me get all the sparkly well, things. Well, it, it was. It was very much like that. I mean, it's like I thought about it, and I got a little obsessive. Because, that's unfortunately, my personality works that way. I get obsessed about something, uh, or I get inspired by something, and it can become obsessive. It's like that itch. Um, I, I always liken it to that that um, um, Big Bang Theory episode where, where Sheldon is trying to explain to Leonard Uh, the itch in his brain that comes from the fact that he did not return the movie 10 years ago. And it wasn't that he, he, you know, it's just this obsessive thing. And and I understand that because there's an itch you have to scratch in that regard. So long story short, I I didn't, unfortunately uh, for the folks that get some games because they're not in my local area. I mean, they're not in my neighborhood. I didn't really scratch that itch there, so to speak. However, I I did discover It's good not to scratch all the itches in public Joe. That's fair, fair. Particularly these days where there's a camera everywhere. Uh, (laughs) So long story, even longer, probably. Um, so we discovered in downtown Pineville, which is where we live, uh, Carolina tabletop games. And I went in there and I just started talking to, uh, the workers that, that were working there. One of whom, uh, Shane is in our game. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. I'm sure. Um, and I just kind of started this, I want to do d and ironically, it was just me getting obsessed about that that I began to, to discover the things like Critical Role and High Rollers and uh, Man Shorts, which is a great comedic uh, channel if you like right. D&D humor as well as Drunk Humor, um, you know, discover all these things. And then that led to, on the one side, planning out this campaign that, that, that predates the one that we're in now, But at the same time, we discovered Wingspan. Oh, Wingspan, Wingspan, yes. And so this is that, I mean, we're discovering games right around the time that Wingspan is released. And um, ironically, I bought Wingspan as a joke. Really? Yeah, because I was in the store and Shane goes, hey, we got Wingspan in for this family, uh, the Stouts, because they'd pre-ordered it. And I'm like, well, and I knew the Stouts. And I was like, well, I'm going to buy it so they can't have it. And it was a joke and it was a thing. And so later they had a copy of Wingspan that somebody had reserved. And I said, did somebody ever buy that? Because I'm kind of curious about it. And they said, well, hold on a minute. And they picked up the phone and called and said, yeah, we found it somewhere else. So I bought it. Ah. And I brought it home. And it stayed in shrink wrap for like a week, week and a half. And then my wife and I, we went to the game store. Carolina Tabletop Games is now euphemistically always referred to as the game store. Sure. Um, and um, one of the one of the folks there, Ian, uh, was working there at the time, and Ian sat down and taught my wife and I how to play Wingspan, and we were hooked. Oh yeah! And the whole engine building, mechanic, et cetera, and so those two those two things set in motion um, are my new passion for games, and we've we've built up a collection in the in the, the last three four years of games. The pandemic has helped with that. And I'll talk a little bit more about that, but um, that's sort of my origin story of coming to games where get back into D and D and then discover the whole board game element and discovering that it's so different. I mean, they've been saying that we're in a golden age of board games and I believe it. Oh yeah, absolutely. And so, so <clears throat> I'm going to kind of put a pin in that there cause there's so much more to my story that I think is going to come out organically But I want to come back to you for a second because, you know, one of the things that that has really inspired me or impressed me, maybe both. um, Well, actually, I'm going to put a pin in that because I want to kind of put – I want to take the origin story back to how we got reconnected because this is all all back to Wingspan, and I think it ties into where I want to go next. So one day, I joined this Facebook group about Wingspan, and I posted something. I don't even remember what I posted. I don't either. And I get a comment – from James Englehart. And it's like, Joe, is this you? <laughs> and it was yep. just so brilliant. That's like, Oh my gosh, here's, here's where you and I get reconnected after what? 25, 30, yeah. 30 years. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and that just sort of set this, this, this kind of back and forth. And it was because of Wingspan. Um, yeah. That, that brought that together. And so I began through that, that uh, interaction began learning a little bit more about, you know, you and your experience with games just through back and forth through chatting. And then somewhere along the way, you brought up the Spiel Foundation. And for those of you who don't know, the Spiel Foundation is a nonprofit organization dedicated to making the world a more playful place. And I don't want to steal any thunder around that, but I'd love to know, uh, how are you involved with those guys and gals and folks? Got to get all my pronouns right here. And... (laughs) uh, (laughs) No offense to anybody. Um, and just tell, tell me about that.
1: Sure. Well, I mean, so talking about those, um, early podcasts, the spiel was one of them, uh, it was the spiel on board games and the dice tower when, uh, uh, vassal was still in Korea. Oh
0: yeah. And I don't know
1: how he, yeah, I don't know how he managed to make time work to do all of that good stuff. Right. Um, so yeah. And, um, So I started listening to the spiel, man, probably in the early double digits of its run and went back. So I've listened to pretty much all of those episodes and a couple of times I would write in and um, they had different segments that, and sometimes I'd be able to send a little something to them. Um, But then I was working as a um, acquisitions editor at the University of Illinois Press. And I was working on trade books, which are so not academic, not scholarly books, but um, you know, ones that you'd want to pick up as opposed to, you know, something that starts out the war of, you know, colon, <laughs> blah, 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 you know, so it's, you know, 18 words long for a title, that kind of thing, and with dates and all of that. So, and I was said, well, you know, um, I know uh, Stephen Conway, who's the the host who's been there the whole time. Um, he's from Indianapolis is a big sort of Hoosier identified guy. And it's like, so, um, Maybe there's a sort of games of the Midwest, right? Because there's, um, of course, D started. It's called Gen Con because of Lake Geneva, right? Um, there, you know, so D started in the Midwest. All of these other game companies, uh, Glass um, Toys was in uh, Chicago for many, many years. That gave us things like Boggle and stuff. Um, And um, the original version of operation and all of these, just lots of different stuff. Aggravation comes from somewhere in Wisconsin, I believe. So I thought, well, I'll reach out to Stephen Conway. I've been, I mean, I don't really know the man. (laughs) Um, Send him a half dozen emails over a 15 year period or something. So, but we'll see what happens. So uh, send him a, short note he said he got back to me said yeah that sounds like an interesting project so we set up a phone call that was supposed to be an hour and you know, like half an hour or something and went on for like an hour and a half and we just sort of kept in touch and then when I left the press um and I was doing some freelance work and he was like well you know the Spiel foundation needs some research on these things and some of that thing and so I was doing some work with them um you know just uh thinking about fundraising and all of that kind of all of those sorts of things and um so yeah and we've become friends he has a sort of friday night game meetup and so um my wife and i have been part of that group they watched they've been watching emerson grow up on uh, on zoom every (laughs)
0: that's awesome
1: once a week or so yeah so and so that's how I sort of got involved with them and um, talking with Stephen and Doug and um, yeah, it's a and it's a great you know they just went through. Uh, he's been working hard to to do these game bundle programs, which they get um, games donated. They put the uh, five games in a box and they. Open it up, punch it, um, put them in baggies or whatever. You know, organize the pieces and label them so that when it goes to, you know, um, senior centers or uh, nursing homes or children's hospitals or boys and girls clubs, um, women and domestic abuse shelters, all these different places, all you have to do is open up the box and everything is there out the way it needs to be, and you can kind of look through and he's they're always looking for rules uh games that have pretty uh, accessible rule sets um so that you know all you have to do is open the box and go and um so they had gotten a whole several thousand tens of thousands of games i want to say and managed to get like thousands and thousands of game bundles out over the last um six weeks two months something like this and um and it's just been fun to watch and hear about all of the, the people um, who are getting these games. And, and I think this is you know, part of the, the whole impetus for the Spiel too, is to bring that joy and playfulness into the world and thinking about games as a place that because you play a game, right? Play is right there in the description of how you engage it. So getting people together, getting people to you know, engage across the table and have some fun. And try something different. Um, and they've just done, I think, a fantastic job doing that and really kind of ramping up into this next stage of development for the foundation as well as the, the podcast.
0: What I love about what they're doing, I mean, gosh, children's hospitals, senior centers, shelters, halfway mm-hmm. houses, boys and girls clubs, schools, libraries, and even prisons. I mean, that's a, it's pretty amazing. Uh, I, um, I bought some coffee recently from uh, Many Worlds Tavern, and they are really cool because they'll, they have a number of charitable foundations that they, they support in the gaming uh, arena, and Spiel Foundation just happens to be one of them, and so I was able to make place an order and then you know, convey that. You know, it just occurred to me, given uh, what um, Shane does, one of our players in our D&D game, I bet her, um, the, the organizations she works oh, yeah. with might, might be a perfect target, um, for that, for that organization. Yep. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, uh, we'll have to sort of talk to her about that at some point, maybe. Don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so speaking of Shane, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm doing some, I'm trying to multitasking i'm doing a really poor job of it trying to make the obs look a little nicer it just means that the the video is going to look really wonky at some point um sure. anyway so let's talk about the D because you know we embarked on a D adventure together about a year ago this time mm-hmm. and uh we started with a one shot i love to do one shots um and this whole geek and southern thing, I think, was sort of the the hook. I, I think, um, obviously, it's a it's a, it's an unabashed homage to to geek and sundry. I don't think we can get around acknowledging that. Um, but I think the, the the I think the vision of it was pretty much not everybody in the game are are involved with us is from the south, but we all live here, and. Right. Um, you know, I I, we, I was thinking about, I had always wanted to do Curse of Strahd. I, Strahd has always been a fascinating character for me, even though there was a period of time when I wasn't necessarily into gaming. I certainly saw the books, the Ravenloft series, you know, right. and, and, and so um, doing that, but everybody, it seemed there was, you know, I wanted to do something that could be online, not live necessarily, unless we built an audience, which we'll see. Um, something that could be fun that could just be about us, you know, our, our, I think the opening segue says we are not voice actors with no offense, to critical role. They've made things like this possible. And I love yeah. them personally. So that's, that's a, not a bad thing. I'm just trying to acknowledge what my, our weaknesses are perhaps, <laughs> but I wanted to do Strahd and I, but everybody was doing it. It seemed, you know, high rollers had a version, uh, D D beyond has a version. I think, uh, wizards of the coast has got a version. Everybody's doing curse of Strahd. But we decided to do it in a- as if it took place in Appalachia, and, yeah. and I think that's been that's been kind of fun for me because it, it's it's been interesting to me. I'm not going to talk about the game and all that stuff because this is not designed to be a shameless plug about that. But what's been what's been interesting to me is the, the the chemistry and the social dynamic that is unpacked. I mean, uh, most of the party, everybody knows everybody through me. I think I am the intersection yes. of how everybody in that game knows each other with except for
1: my daughter who fair, uh fair fair
0: fair but met she's in met a whole
1: different setting. She was a <laughs> la-
0: later later edition, but you know, that's totally fair. But you get what I'm saying. You know, oh, yeah, these no, people absolutely. came together had no you know, had no really previous experience together other than you and I and and well, uh, me and everybody else except I didn't know Rose. Oh, Rose was new to me from that one shot that we did at Christmas time in yep. 2020. And, uh, of course, I didn't know Wendy. Um, and it But it's been really interesting to watch these this group of people remotely get to know each other. But it's also been interesting to watch it um, evolve. And what I mean by that is we're a year into it, and I feel like more recently the RP aspects have come to the forefront mm-hmm. in the sense that other people – are feeling their way through their characters. And I think it's, it's been a really interesting form of self-expression. I don't know mm-hmm. how do you feel about that. What do you, I mean, you, you're obviously playing and you're getting to play with your daughter. So, yeah. so, so let's talk about that. How do, how do you, how does that, how do you feel about that? Do you think I'm right in that assessment or do you think I'm just kind of getting some happy ears based on being the DM?
1: No, I think, um, we really have like, cause I, as, as you pointed out, I didn't know anybody before we sat down. And so there's this kind of awkward space. You're like, well, who are you? What are we doing? Okay. I don't know how this is going to go. Right. Um, and I think, you know, we had a couple of people who were, um, you know, had a long history of doing uh, D and and other RPGs. Um, I was in a Pathfinder group uh, for a while. Um, and, so, you know, some of us knew kind of how this was going to go. And that felt like a couple of others really didn't and were kind of working their way into it, but also just the ways that we're, um, I think, and this is an interesting thing about games, right? Because the ways that you play really reveal a lot about your character mm-hmm. um, as, a, as a human being, right? Um, what do you do? How do you respond to something when the stakes are artificially high, but in reality, low, like, how do you react? And that's a fascinating thing to watch. Um, and a lot of fun to, yeah, you know, a year into it, you know, just kind of know who's going to do what, how it's going to go. And, Mm. and part of it's also understanding like, okay, when, um, if we've got, you know, one of the, um, Canon's, you know, Hal's character blowing shit up from far away. Great. If that doesn't happen, what's the next step? How do people, um, you know, move into different positions? And and it's just kind of the way that the tactics and strategy is, have evolved as well. Uh, but also the ways that we're expecting if we walk into someplace new that the Bard is going to start chatting up everybody <laughs> and, uh, and, and sort of expecting that and just having a good time watching that um, unfold um, and that's been great and playing with Wendy has been hilarious she's a 7th grader so she's she has her own little D&D group uh, at her um, middle school and it is from her tales quite chaotic you know they're middle schoolers they're just running around right. beating the hell out of stuff and whatever weird stuff they can come up with that's what they do and so I but because she's playing with a bunch of adults who really know how the game goes, uh, they kind of turn to her and say, OK, so, um, are, you know, kind of are we doing this right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so but it's been fun to watch her playing with us and sort of rein in her uh, chaotic seventh grade tendencies, even though. A couple of times, you know, she's let it run loose and uh, and sometimes it helped the party out quite a bit by doing that. So that's been that's been fun. And it's just fun to watch her interact with y'all, too, and see who she sort of becomes without me there.
0: Oh, my gosh. When she started chasing, the, was it was at the M in Argon Vosthold. Mm-hmm. And that, what I loved about that is, you know, for me as a, as a DM, you know, I I learned a long time ago. You have to plan in broad strokes. You can't plan in detail because you never know where the party is going to go. You have to be able to adapt and move. And that's what, for, first of all, I, I just have to give a shout out to, to the, the folks at D&D Beyond and Roll20 and oh, yeah. all the virtual tabletop content folks out there, Foundry and others, uh, Dungeon Fog, everybody that's not currently sponsoring this, this conversation, just because as a <laughs> you know, as, as much as I miss being in person through the pandemic and with this group, it's kind of hard because of the remoteness of, you know, you're in Greenville, we're in Charlotte, some people are in Virginia, uh, Wendy's in Illinois, you know, it's really hard to be in person. Um, but the, the tools that have made this so successful, and of course our friends at zoom, um, you know, it, I, I love that because that, level of, uh, access to content has made it easy for me to adapt a new for you guys. It's like when you roll the die and you have to face these guys or that guys, I can set up an encounter really, really fast. I don't worry about, I have to worry about, do I have a million minis, um, and all yep. of that stuff. So that's, that for me has been from a planning perspective, allows me to be more versatile. I like to say that, uh, you know, I, I used to say that some things are like classical music where you have to follow the notes exactly as how they're written. Um, so much in board gaming, specifically D and D is jazz where you just Mm -hmm. get to, oh, it's improv. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and so for me, that's been a ton of fun, um, and seeing where that, that is going to go. I mean, you talk about the, the bard, I mean, we finally got to have some RP there. I think you and I, because, you know, we grew up doing theater, you you more so than me, but doing theater in school together, I think we're much more comfortable with that whole banter, if you will. Uh, yep. the, the hardest part for me is figuring out what accent did I use for that person the last time. Yes. It's a variation of a Southern accent, but I don't know which one. And uh, that's why I stick by the we are not voice actors uh, thing. It is true. But but it's, but it's it's been a lot of fun. And so I think that that's been kind of cool because it, it, it it's funny where I, I walked into the Home Depot the other day and I was talking to uh, one of the assistant managers there and she said to me, do you have a podcast or a YouTube channel on D and D? And I was like, uh, maybe. <laughs> and, oh wow. And it's not that she had discovered it. She had heard about it through one of her coworkers that had, we had kind of stumbled into this discussion wow. and she was telling me about her son and how her son is, you know, a teenager and he's trying to get into this and he doesn't have friends that want, that are interested in playing. And so, you know, it's just, it's an interesting conversation piece. I find that when I bring up D and D it, it, it so many people are curious about this social interaction, the social experiment. I think it's sort of been driven by the pandemic in the sense that we've been socially isolated for so long uh, and we want a sense of adventure, mm-hmm. you know? So anyway,
1: well, and I think that that's sort of um, the ways that particularly D D becomes theater of the mind as we like to talk about yeah. it. Um, and it lets you, you know, literally take on a different skin and try to imagine yourself into a, an entirely different place. And that's just, I mean, it's part of being human is is imagining ourselves in different places. It's how we think about the future. It's how we imagine the past, that separate country. Um, so I love that we've got these role-playing games that let us with a little bit of codification. So here's, you know, in case things go sideways, <laughs> here's the chart to look up. Um, but it gives you that freedom to explore and i've got a a colleague another instructor at Furman, who's like yep getting ready to run uh they were doing the minds of phandelver so mm-hmm. um she's like i've this is my new i'm just now learning how to dm like, okay so What's, good stuff It's everywhere
0: it's funny uh, a co-worker of mine uh said to me the other day she goes hey um my my husband is a nerd And I'm like, oh, so he's a good guy, right? She's like, yes, and so (laughs) am I, sort of, kind of. And I'm we're thinking about I want a DM, and 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 we're gonna get a little game together. And I said, but she's like, she's very intimidated about being the DM because I think I think there's this sense that you have to be an expert in all the rules, and the answer is you don't. I mean, there are plenty of times where I'm letting you guys course correct me on the rules. I make the final decision, but I'll look up the objection or the the thought based on what people are saying, because it's hard to know everything at once. And right. so what I offered to her is I said, look, you know, I'll be happy to do a one shot with you and your husband and your friends just to kind of show you the mechanics of how easy it is. And then say, here are the keys, you know, kind of get them kind of do their, their session zero for them. Sure. And, um, send them off on it. Well, I think, you know, we can, we can certainly talk a lot about D and D, um, in conversations like this, and I'm sure we're going to come back to it, but I just kind of wanted to, to use that as an intersection of sort of kind of what we're experiencing together as we go through this. Um, I will say this. I have made a number of NPCs in the different campaigns that I've done, and I recently have started playing Elden Ring on the computer and I, I decided to build a character based on one of my NPCs. I'm kind of curious to see what that's like to, to bring somebody that I, I really brought as a support person to now try to play in an in a online environment, which was kind of fun. All right, so we'll move on from that. I did want to kind of uh, move into a segment that I like to call What's on the Table? Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know what, what what you guys are playing right now, but I know we've got a couple of games on the table. So why don't we start with you? What, what's on your table this week?
1: Uh well, it's been uh, busy. We've just gotten uh, past uh, spring break and heading into the last bit of the semester. So it's, it's kind of a little crazy, but we managed to get a, an older small box game called Fidelitas okay. by uh, Philip Duberry And um, uh, I think Katarski is the other one, Jason Katarski. Yep. And Philip Duberry. It's a um, little small um, card game where you're uh, you've got uh, 10 different spaces on cards that are set out in front of you and you play cards to either side of that and you're every time you play a card um, and there's a whole bunch of other stuff going on but you uh, move other things around and you're trying to make them sort of line up in different patterns so you can score a mission card and mission cards have different points on them. First person to 10 ends the game and then you round out the rounds. So everybody has the same number of um, uh, turns. And it's, it's I had picked it up when I was traveling. One of the things that I used to do when I would travel is find a local game shop because that would always nice. take you away from the tourist sections of town. None of the tourists go and pick up board games. So that would send me <laughs> out to neighborhoods and see people. And I try to pick up these little games. And it, it has really cute art. And it seemed like it was kind of light and could be fun. And it is. Um, and it's um, it's fairly chaotic. It's very tactical. There's no strategy that you can really do because the cards are going to keep moving. The setup is going to shift around a lot. And there's a whole lot of luck of the draw, uh, both in terms of your fulfillment cards, the mission cards, and in terms of the cards that you can play. So it's uh, pretty light, but uh, doesn't outstay its welcome super quick. And um, we had a Good time playing that last night. Uh, Laura was like, "What are we doing?" The first two rounds, and then managed to <laughs> kick my ass. So there you go.
0: Yeah, it's funny how that works. So what my mm-hmm. wife and I typically do, uh, Dale and I will will t- typically pick a game on Sunday that's going to be on our table for the week, and we'll play huh. it on Sunday. And then we kind of play it through the week, and then we kind of put it up on maybe Saturday, and then take a break, and then we come back to it. You know, pick up something new. So in the past couple of weeks, we've done. Um, we started with Libertalia. Oh uh, uh, yeah. The new the new one from Stonemeyer. Libertalia, Winds of Galecrest. Uh right. Paolo, Paolo Mori and Lamaro Smith uh, are the designers on that. And of course it's a reboot of the the 2012 game and they've they've really made it much more accessible, most much more culturally accessible. Um, and and really kinda and, and my I never play the old game, so I'm I'm really giving you an opinion uh, based on what I've read. But what I love about it is we like games that are accessible for two player. And there's some out there that have like a two player mechanic that the, the, the robotic aspect of it just doesn't work. Like yep, um, there's an awkward third player or something. Yeah. Yeah. The, the tale of uh, in between the castles of uh, um, mm-hmm. you know, which one I'm referring to, I can't, yes. it's not coming off. I'm going to say in between two cities, but then there's the, the capitals castles of, of mad Lud- king ludwig you, and then mad they've got that sort of ludwig, between yeah. two
1: castles yep
0: yeah the between the two castles of mad king ludwig the 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 variant the two player variant there is very challenging for us it, it, it hurts my brain as as it is you can tell by the way i can't say it but <laughs> uh but libertaria they've done a really nice mechanic there that makes it a two makes it really accessible in the two player game the one thing it does though my wife and i well my wife likes games where you don't have to be mean to win, Ah, yes. Yep. And that's one yep. of the things she likes about Wingspan. I mean, you're not, you're not hurting me if you're playing your game and parks is that way and, and other games. But when you get into a game like Root, or even a game like Libertalia, where there's a mean element, it's like the saber comes out. She's like, I really don't want to do this. And I'm like, I don't, I'm going to do it to you. So go ahead. So that, yeah. that was, that was us. And then we did, um, Canvas, uh, which of course is oh, yeah. Jeff Chen and Andrew Nerger and Luan Huen. Uh, the artist and what's so the reason we're doing canvas? I know it's been out for a while, but the expansion just came out. And I'm going to pull this out. Ah, uh, okay. So the original canvas, it's a box. Yes, a beautiful box. Yes, you can hang it on Those your beautiful
1: wall. Transparent cards. You yep. can hang it on the I wall. I
0: think, I think it's and, hilarious. And then the expansion came out, and you have this oh, nice complete painting that comes together very nicely. And, and the that expansion like. on this really steps up the game and, and it doesn't add so many new rules that you can't it's not it's very accessible. Right. If you know the the core mechanic, this just naturally fits in and, and I love you know a lot of expansions may change the tenor of the game like the wingspan expansions uh, have made game you know have made the the forest. So not part of your strategy anymore because there's other ways to get resources, you know? Right. Um, yep. whereas most people fill out the forest too, so they can get more food and stuff. So anyway, I'm, but that's, what's on our table right now is canvas. Nice. And I don't know what we're going to do this week. We ca- we have a few things on the shelf of shame, which is a mm-hmm. board game that I've purchased. That's still in shrink wrap. Ah, yes. And so we're trying to, we're making a conscious effort to pull those off, open them up, punch them out, and play them. Um, because at some point i got to figure out, are there games in our collection? Because we're, we're pushing, I know we're nowhere near you, we're pushing 100 games. Oh, nice. Uh, we've got um, a couple of k full. And for IKEA customers and game lovers, you'll know what that means. Um, <laughs> and I've got the big 4x4 K-Lax so, that I actually put on wheels, which is kind of interesting. That nice. I should probably do a how-to video on how I did that. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, I got to figure out a point. Are there games in our collection that need to be either, I don't mean retired, but I kind of hate having games that are not getting played and I got to find, you know, maybe, uh, there are organizations around here that are a good spot for the games. So I don't necessarily want to sell them to make money off of sure. them. I kind of feel like that would be, um, hard to do. So anyway, so that's yeah. what's on our table. Um, Thanks. But I'll 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 keep you posted on what 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 hits the table next. I, I do have I do have a few Kickstarters that I'm waiting on, and I think that's been the scourge of most people's existence of the pa- of the pandemic <laughs> as well, just because of um the production things. But the things I, I oh
1: and shipping, yeah, you know, all the stuff, yeah,
0: right. But the last three games that I backed were Tang Gardens Seasons. Uh, we love Tang Garden. It's an amazing game. In fact, I went ahead and when I backed it, I just backed the complete set because there are certain games that we have that I love to have a backup copy of. because, the, because they like, We have backups of the Wingspans. We have backs, backups of Isle of Cats. Um, and now we have backups of Tang Garden. We've also backed Trekking Through History, which is the trekking series, trekking through national parks, ah, trekking right, the yeah. world. They, they've got that Kickstarter going on. And then we backed Honey Buzz Fall Flavors. And so those are the... Ah, ones. nice. Yeah, we love the Honey Buzz game. That, that, yes. That's, again, it's a nice mechanic. It's engine building. It's all, mm-hmm. the, all the things we love.
1: There's a lot of uh, nice between the worker placement and then the puzzle of the, the hive itself that you're putting together. Yeah. Super fun.
0: But everything's delayed, so... We'll see. Maybe if uh, something comes in uh, for the next podcast, I'll I'll pop it out and do like an opening or something. Um, I am excited about a Kickstarter that I think I think I think is coming up. Okay. Um. So Game Toppers LLC, Berkey mm-hmm. Berkey up there in Minnesota. Minnesota. Um. Oh, yeah. So it's funny. Right before the pan, so I had backed Table Toppers 2.0. You know. Okay. So I was obsessed in the game and I was like, Oh, this tabletop game, this is this board game table. Oh, it can be. So I got this, this tabletop that is 48 by 48, but it's got an expansion. I can make it 48 by 72. Ooh. So it's perfect for D and D, but it's also perfect for board gaming. And I, I put a lot of of Facebook pictures up of us, of our game table under the hashtag, not board board gaming. So there you go. You can always find those. If you can check out that <laughs> hashtag, um, but uh, the last – they did a Kickstarter last year called Game Toppers 3.0 where they did their normal things, but they added some enhancements. And one of the things they added was legs for your tables, and they came up with a really cool way to put legs on the table, but not the table my size. Uh, uh, it was the small, the size just a little bit smaller that I almost backed, but I decided, you know, I'm going to back it. I'm going to get the big one because, you know, I sure. thought that made sense. Um and they also had a few other things. They put like dining, you can get a, like a dining room tabletop. So if the people who want this to be like their dining room table, they could do that, which I thought was pretty cool. Okay, That is nice. So I pinged Berkey and I said, Hey, when are you going to come out with legs for this table? And he suggested that that's going to happen in their May Kickstarter. So I'm very excited for that. Okay. I would love, cause I'm currently got the, our table set up on these like two fold out, tables that you, that you got at target, you know, like the little sure. plastic yep. thing. And not everybody can put their legs under the table because of the way that it blocks. And that's, that's, I know it sounds like a first world problem kind of minor thing, but uh, I'm excited for that to come out because um, it's just going to up the gaming experience. Cause I feel like now we're coming out of and, the pandemic. We're working on getting back to the game store, but we're also in a place now where we want to invite people over to play games. Yep. And I want that to be a good experience. You know, and so, yep. so that's that's sort of the thing. And plus, I'd like to be able to take it outside, put it out on the deck, set up the legs, and we're on the deck in the, the night air, or there's a um, gazebo down at our pool here in the neighborhood. And I think that would be kind of cool to go play out in public like that and just set up, oh, yeah. set up the game because I can set it up really fast because it's, it's, a, it's a great portable system. Anyway, so that's kind of what I'm uh, thinking about. I don't know if you're excited about anything that's coming up. Um, again, sort of a uh, head down with the end of the semester and then
1: the, the 10 month old, yeah. um, who kind of keeps things moving. So, uh,
0: kinda, I totally, I totally understand. And, uh, yeah. I, and I don't envy you. <laughs> my, my, my kids are 27 and 22. I'm at the furthest end of this situation yeah, yeah. from you that I can possibly be. Yeah. Yep. but that's okay. I'm very excited for you and it's wonderful. Oh, he's a super fun little <laughs> dude. So, yeah. And, you know, looking
1: forward to, uh, getting him to playing games. We yeah. got Wendy playing games when she was, uh, super young. So, um, and she's, you know, still into it. So it's kind of fun.
0: So being in the Carolinas, what I've been struck by is that there are a number of game designers, um, that are here in the Carolinas. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh sunday sunday surprise i should know what that is i have the game i just don't have it on my anyway uh i'm gonna i'm looking it up real fast just to make sure i got sunday split wow Ah, how bad was that (laughs) um holy cow this is, this is uh, this Sunday is, surprise. It sounded sort of uh, intriguing. split. as well. I, I Sunday split? That, that, right. that must be the expansion. Sunday surprise will be the expansion. I'm kidding. Uh, okay. Nate Bivens and Raina Khan. Nate is local to Charlotte, I believe, because ah, I hear he's okay. in, comes in the game store. I, I I can't think if I've actually met him or not, but uh, Sunday split. Uh, but there are other game designers and it's funny to go. It's fun to walk into Carolina tabletop games and, they have a local game designer section. If I walk into um, yeah. Atomic Empire up in Durham, they have a larger local designer system because I think around when you get around Chapel Hill, Duke, NC State, all of our TPA, all, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of uh, folks in that area. And then when you go to Cape Fear Games in Wilmington, North Carolina, you'll see a lot of like the local designer thing. So it's it's so I'm 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 struck by the fact that there are a lot of uh, des- game designers in the Carolinas specifically, and in the, and the South in general, like Parks Fifty Nine Parks is out of Georgia. The 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 publisher oh, nice. Fifty Nine Parks of, and they've got a new expansion coming called Parks Wildlife Wild Wildlife that'll be out this summer. Oh, that'll, that's I'm um, looking forward to that. Well, what I'm really excited about that is when they did the Parks Trails. They mm-hmm. only, You could only get it at Target, and I understand why people do that. That's that, I get it. I get it. I'm, I have no problem with Target. Believe me, I go there a lot. We. I yeah, but I love that they have intentionally come out with a release that's that's going to be geared towards the friendly local game store, although Barnes and Noble, they have a contract there. It will be on Amazon as well. But I love the fact that they're giving the FGLS community the opportunity um, to, to do that, because Parks is one of those games that, you know, I'm gosh, I fell in love with it. We did a play that we did a playthrough and I I went and and like we were in the second round and I got up and I walked over to the shelf, grabbed my copy and just kind of stashed it (laughs) under my chair. And my (laughs) wife looked at me like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm buying this game. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So anyway, so hopefully uh, as we move forward, um, we'll hopefully not only be able to talk about some games that have been done. made in the South, so to speak, but maybe and uh, find a way to invite some of those creators to come and talk to us a little bit about how they got there and what that process was like. Um, but yeah. I know, I know we're kind of coming up on time here soon. I just wanted to, to say, you know, from a, from a first perspective, um, I, I'm looking forward to going through this journey uh, with you as we talk about laying on the table. I think not only from a, the perspective of what it means to us from, from our friendship, but also, sort of what does it mean in our, our lives as we kind of use this as a mechanism to, to not only get to know other people, uh, and in your case, educate, but also just kind of how we enrich our own lives through storytelling or through gameplay. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to continuing this conversation uh, and finding out where, where this uh, journey takes us. It's a different adventure. Uh,
1: <laughs> it is, it is, and I am too. I mean, I think um, it was kind of, it was, you know, we knew each other, sort of ran in similar circles back in college, which is now a ways in the past. Uh, but it was just, I, you know, we hadn't really kept in touch. It wasn't like we were super close buddies. Uh, and so it's uh, interesting how just this thing of gaming and play uh, can bring people back together and then get you to interact with each other. I think one of the things that Laura and I are really loving about you know playing and laura wasn't particularly interested in games before we got together but one of the things that we really like is well you know it's sunday night it's monday night whenever it is and um we could watch something else on a screen but so much of our lives is taking place on screens right uh we can sit down across from each other and we don't have to make up conversation we don't have to just talk about the kid um or the cats or whatever else you know there's something else here in front of us that we can interact with we can learn a little bit learn a little bit about each other and then we walk away we'll have as you were saying a story to tell Uh, and we can talk about the story of what happened think about the the narrative and keep building from there and I think uh, games are um, pretty unique in being able to interact that way and then be able to reflect on it that way so I'm interested in this in this adventure as well and seeing what other stuff we get to talk about who we get to talk to and See where it goes.
0: Well, you know, it's it's funny. When you said that, it, it occurred to me. You know, there's so much in our lives today that I think are designed to separate people and compartmentalize people. I, I love the comic strip Pearls Before Swine. Uh, Stephen Pastis, he's always talking about how you know, social media is is a, in many ways as much of a great divisor as it is a great uniter. I mean, we and what I love about board games board games is that it just sort of eliminates all that crap. You know, yep. and it doesn't matter your background, it doesn't matter the way you think, it doesn't matter about who you love, it doesn't matter about any of that stuff. We're all just playing a game, and I love that it 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 focuses on what unites us more than what divides us, and I and I see that in every Every single game store I've ever walked into, you see so many folks from so many ilk's um, sitting down and not shouting each other down, and not well unless the game mechanic calls for that, I suppose. <laughs> Requires for <a> shouting, <laughs> yeah. Shutter, yeah. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. I think it's a great yep. uniter, and that's what I love about this hobby. And I and I, I think it's it's going to be fun um, to to just sort of see, to see that play out, regardless. Of of that because I think we need more things in our lives these days that that unite us it shouldn't shouldn't be be that way so I'm excited about that so yep. uh, I think that's pretty much all the time we have for today um, for those uh, that are actually listening to this we we thank you for that we 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 hope to be publishing this on a on a pretty consistent basis I think from our our plan is to try to do it every two weeks. Um, that sounds right there may be a week lag in between the time we actually do it and it gets released. because of just editing and stuff and real life. And you know, James has got a 10 month old and, um, you know, I have a job that, that kind of, there's a reason why makes I... you do stuff. Yeah, yeah I know <laughs> there's a reason why I have like 10 episodes of our podcast of the game. That's still not put out because I just haven't had the time to sit down and do the stuff editing it. So I got to work on that too. Anyway. So, uh, we look forward to, uh, to putting these out on a regular basis. We thank you for joining us today for lay it on the table. Um, I am Joe Mahaffey, one of your hosts. I am
1: James Engelhart, the other host.
0: And we, we look forward to talking to you again on lay it on the table. And remember folks, we are not bored. We are board gaming. Thanks. See ya.